Hey friends, it's so great to be with you today. My name is Sarah Cowan-Johnson. I'm one of the pastors here at Sanctuary, and I miss you all so much. So I'm so thankful for the opportunity to be with you today on the broadcast. I'm gonna pray for us and then we'll dive in. Lord Jesus, thank you for your presence today. Thank you for your presence here in this building at Hayes Street. And thank you for your presence in every home where this broadcast is being played today. Lord Jesus, we ask that you would open our eyes to see you and open our ears to hear you and open our hearts that we would know and love you more. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So for those of you who spend a decent amount of time on Instagram, like I do, have you ever thought about what your Instagram Explore feed says about you? So for those of you who are unfamiliar, there is a feed on Instagram that you can click on that curates content for you based on what you tend to click on and look at and what you tend to share and like. So it can be very revealing about your interests. If you look at mine, you will see three major themes. One is houseplants. The second is beautiful, natural colored living spaces. So whites and tans and grays and not a primary color in sight. And then the third is before and after hairstyle transformation pictures. Haircuts, color transformations, they are everywhere on my feed. And the first two things make sense, but the funny thing about the hair transformation pictures is that in the past 20 years, I have literally changed my hair only twice. The first time was in 2012. So up until then, I had had really long hair for a really long time, but I chopped it all off in 2012. And that reason I did that was kind of interesting. So my husband Greg and I had been away from Providence in Washington State for two months. And while we were there, actually a really, really hard thing happened. So we had a miscarriage while we were there. And it was just this awful, painful, difficult season for us. And when we came back to Providence, obviously the first thing everyone asks is, how was your trip? And it was just really hard to answer that question. Either you're totally faking it, it was great, or you're awkwardly bringing them all of a sudden into a very raw and intimate reality. So I think part of why one of the first things I did when I got back to Rhode Island was chop my hair off was because I was so eager for something else to talk about. After I cut my hair, the first thing out of people's mouth when they saw me was, oh my gosh, your hair. And then Washington became sort of an afterthought. So that was one time that I changed my hair. And the other time that I changed my hair is literally right now as my chin-length angled bob that I've had for the past eight years is now growing out against my will. I miss my stylist almost as much as I miss some of my closest friends. So basically what I'm saying is that even though I'm apparently obsessed with other people's hair transformations, it literally takes a crisis for me to change my hair. And that is a perfect illustration of Newton's first law of motion. And I bet you didn't see that one coming, but stay with me. Newton's first law, also called the law of inertia, states that an object in motion will remain in motion 
unless acted upon by an outside force. In other words, it takes a whole lot of energy to change something that has been going in a certain direction for a certain amount of time. You need an outside force to bring about change. So for me and my hair, it takes a crisis to overcome the inertia of just doing the same thing with my hair day after day, month after month, hair appointment after hair appointment. Now, obviously, that is a silly example, but the principle holds true for much more significant areas of our life. When we think about change, specifically changes for the better in our lives, one of the greatest barriers and obstacles to change is inertia, the status quo. The way we have always done things becomes a very powerful force to overcome. And it often requires something else from outside to exercise influence upon us for anything to change. So think about for a moment how and why people change in significant ways. There's often a precipitating event that initiates that change. So back when Greg and I were first married, I was so afraid of getting pregnant. I was content with just Greg and me, just the two of us. I wasn't sure I'd ever truly be ready to have kids. And then my grandfather died, and all of a sudden, I began to have this unexplained longing to start a family. And Noah and Silas, if you're listening, I'm so happy that God gave you to me. And I can't believe I was ever afraid of being a mom. Another example, uh, friends that I know who are in recovery and have been clean and sober for months or years can often describe that rock bottom experience that was horrific and awful at the time, but provided the energy and the force needed to overcome the inertia of their denial and their unhealthy patterns. We often don't change unless something powerful interrupts our status quo. And that's what I want to talk about today. So this is week three of our New Normal series, where we're talking about some of the ways that we actually don't want to go back to normal when this is all over, ways that this moment could change us for the better. Over the past two weeks, Pastor Andrew has helped us to think about grabbing hold of God's promises and His Word, and also about slowing down to give ourselves time to engage our grief and also to engage our healing. And both of these practices, grabbing hold of God's promises and slowing down, these are practices that are particularly helpful now, given our current reality, but they're also practices that we hope will become a new normal for us even after this current moment. And Andrew also talked about not wasting the coronavirus, because as difficult and as uncomfortable as this season is, we are hoping and praying and believing that the outside force of a global pandemic will shake us out of our inertia in the specific ways that God wants us to change. And so today, what I'm hoping to add to this conversation is a framework a visual tool that I believe will help us make sense of how this moment can change us. So the concept that I want to introduce is called a kairos moment. Kairos, K-A-I-R-O-S. This is a Greek word that means time. Now, there are two different words for time in Greek. One is chronos, where we get the word chronology. This kind of time is linear. It's a straight line from the past to the present and into the future. And then this other word for time is kairos. 
And kairos is a moment, and it's a particular kind of moment. It's a moment full of potential and ripe with opportunity and invitation. The word kairos is used by the gospel writers when Jesus begins preaching about the kingdom of God. He says, the time has come, the kairos has come, the kingdom of God has drawn near. For thousands of years, God's people have been interacting with God in one particular way. There's an incredible amount of inertia behind the Jewish laws and customs and religious traditions. But all of a sudden, God himself has taken on flesh and is walking around among his people as one of them. And there is an opportunity for change here. This is a Kairos moment. Another word that I use for these moments with my kids is God moment. A Kairos moment is a God moment. And I actually like that phrase a lot better. So Kairos moments or God moments happen when something interrupts life as usual. We're marching along one foot in front of the other day after day, lots of inertia in one particular direction. And then something interrupts the status quo, something unusual, something unexpected, sometimes something disruptive and uncomfortable. And these moments always represent an opportunity because God uses these moments in our lives to get our attention and hopefully to change us. Kairos moments or God moments can be dramatic and profound. A good example of that would be Moses with the burning bush. So if you're not familiar with that story, Moses, one of the great heroes of the Judeo-Christian story, was living a normal life as a shepherd. Well, relatively normal. Actually, he was hiding out after having murdered somebody. But other than that, he was living a relatively normal life. And then one day, his status quo was dramatically interrupted. So from Exodus chapter 3, he's walking along one day with his sheep when, starting in verse 2, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. Moses looked and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. Now I want you to remember that phrase, I will turn aside, because we're gonna come back to that. So continuing on in verse four, when the Lord saw that Moses turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. And then God said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. This was a Kairos moment. Something interrupts Moses' life as usual. He turns aside to see what's happening and he ends up having this profound encounter with God. This was the moment when God called Moses to return to Egypt and deliver God's people from slavery. This moment changed the trajectory of Moses's entire life and arguably of human history. It was a moment powerful enough to overcome the inertia of Moses's sheep herding life and transform him from a man hiding out in fear in the middle of nowhere for 40 years into the great deliverer and leader of the Israelite people. So these God moments, they can be epic and over the top like that, or they can be much more subtle. Maybe it's a thought that strikes you out of the clear blue sky, 
or it's an experience that impacts you in some unique way, or it's a conversation that just sticks with you long after it's over. What these moments have in common is that they get our attention. And then if we choose to turn aside and look like Moses with the burning bush, we discover opportunities buried inside these moments, specific things that God is inviting us to discover and explore. So what I wanna suggest, and you can probably guess where I'm going with this, is that a giant Kairos moment has just been foisted upon all of us and upon the entire world in the form of a global pandemic. If there was ever a moment in human history where life as usual seemed to stop and the status quo was upended, this is it. So what does it look like to recognize this pandemic, not just as a crisis, or an annoyance or something to lament, which it's definitely all of those things, but also to recognize it as a God moment. How do we recognize the opportunity buried within this moment? And can we allow even a pandemic to change and transform us for good, to shake us out of our inertia and help us to become more like Jesus today and into the future? And so I wanna show you this visual. This concept is originally from Mike Breen, so I wanna make sure to give credit there, but I've also adapted his original idea just slightly. So he calls this the Cairo circle, and basically it's a way to visualize how people change and grow spiritually. So here we are in Kronos time, that linear time, life as usual, inertia carrying us forward into the future. When all of a sudden, a Kairos moment, a God moment interrupts us, a burning bush, a dream, a random thought, or a global pandemic. And we have a choice. We can continue on, inertia pushing us onward on the same trajectory and ignore the moment, or we can turn aside and explore this moment with God. And if we do that, if we turn aside, we enter a transformative loop here provoked by this moment, and then we come out the other side changed. If we explore this moment with God and allow Him to use it for His purposes in our life, we can't go back to normal afterwards because we are completely changed. So what happens down in this loop? How are we changed? Well, I believe that whenever we see any kind of spiritual transformation or growth, there are three ingredients present. It's important to note that they're not linear, they're interrelated, but they can happen in any order. And here they are. The first ingredient is encounter. This is direct interaction with God. This is Moses talking to God at the bush. Encounter. And then the second ingredient is belief. This is right thinking about God, ourselves, and the world, and the correction of false beliefs. In his conversation with God, Moses has to confront some false beliefs about himself. He doesn't think that he can do this thing that God is asking him to do. And maybe he's even confronting some false beliefs about God and his ability to work through limited human beings. So belief. And then lastly, praxis. This is our participation in our own spiritual transformation. This is our habits, our practices, our actions, and our lifestyle. Moses has to do something. He can't just go back to tending sheep. He has to go to Egypt. So encounter, 
belief, and praxis. Each of these ingredients is essential to lasting spiritual growth and transformation. So let's walk back through the Cairo circle in light of this current moment. How do we allow God to use a global pandemic to bring about lasting spiritual fruit and transformation in our lives? The first step is we have to recognize the God moment. We have to see the opportunity here. And this can be very, very difficult when the moment is an uncomfortable one. There's a way that we need to, as Andrew mentioned last week, slow down long enough to be able to even see where we are, to get our bearings, and to begin to believe that there's anything more than pain and suffering waiting for us here. Without that slowing, we are sure to miss the moment. We also have to learn to recognize God's activity in the midst of painful circumstances. We have to believe that though God didn't cause the coronavirus, He's never the author of suffering. He can absolutely use it for our good. We have to become better at looking for God's activity in the midst of the mess. One of the things that Greg and I do with our kids every night at bedtime is we look back over the day and we reflect on our favorite moment and our least favorite moment. And we always ask the kids, who was with you when you were happy and when you were sad? We remind them and ourselves in that moment that God is always present, always working, no matter what we're feeling or experiencing. And so maybe it's been hard for you to sense God's activity in this season. Maybe it feels like God has abandoned you. I want to encourage you and remind you, just like I remind my kids every night, God is here. He's at work. He will never leave you. I don't believe that He's enjoying this moment any more than you are. And yet I believe He's powerful enough to use it in your life for good. We have to get better at recognizing when God is at work. There's always a bush burning somewhere if we will look for it. So we need to recognize the God moment. And then we need to be intentional about cultivating each of these three ingredients. So first, encounter. To encounter God, we need to turn aside. Turning aside means being intentional to allow God to speak into this moment in your life. I'm gonna guess that you've probably allowed the news and social media and government officials and your friends and maybe your neighbors and your crazy Uncle Joe to speak into this moment. You have allowed them to give their input, their opinions, their prognoses. You may have allowed your fears and anxieties to speak into this moment. You're allowing all these voices to speak into this moment. But what space have you made to allow God to speak? What does God want to say to you specifically in the midst of this coronavirus reality? Have you asked Him for His thoughts, His advice, His perspective on this current moment? I believe He has things to say. I believe that there are inertia-type things in each of our lives individually and in the church and in society that God isn't excited about, things He hasn't been happy about for a while. And He's sensing an opportunity here to get your attention to bring you into his thought process. And so what is that in your life? What are the things that shouldn't go back to normal when this is all over? Where are the opportunities for change and growth that inertia has kept you from addressing? I really want you to think about that for a moment. What's something in your life that you know God has been asking you to deal with? What change have you been avoiding? 
Now, for those of you who have never heard God's voice or maybe new to following Jesus or who think that I sound a little bit crazy right now, I wanna say that I am someone who believes that God wants to speak to us personally and that human beings were designed for intimate relationship and encounter with God. In John 10, Jesus says, "'My sheep hear my voice.'" I believe that we can learn to cultivate moments of encounter where we open ourselves up to hearing God's voice. It's not usually an audible voice, but it's God's voice speaking through scripture or through our own thoughts, what scripture calls a still, small voice. So how will you cultivate space in this season to encounter God directly and to listen for God's voice? Spiritual practices like listening prayer, centering prayer, and worship, among other practices, can help you to interact directly with God. So I wanna encourage you and even challenge you to turn aside in this moment and engage some of these practices more intentionally. So the first ingredient that we are intentional about is, is encounter. And the next ingredient is belief. Turning aside means being intentional to critically examine the things we believe about ourselves, about God, and about the world. Romans 12 says to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In what way does your thinking and your mind need to be renewed right now? Honestly, when I consider this moment, I think it's obvious that God is inviting us as a society to address and correct some of our most deeply held and longstanding false beliefs. Somebody said that what we are witnessing right now are the withdrawal symptoms of a society addicted to the illusion of control. How long have we believed that what actually keeps us safe are our marketable skills, our jobs, or our financial status? How long have we believed that we are in control of our own destinies? How long have we believed that God's goodness is demonstrated to us by things going our way or working out the way we want them to? This moment is forcing us to confront some of our false beliefs if we will turn and look, if we will turn aside. So how will you cultivate space to examine your thinking and to correct those false beliefs with truth? What are you reading? What are you filling your mind with in the vacuum created when these false beliefs are exposed? I wanna encourage you and challenge you to find ways to engage scripture in this season, which I believe is the best source of truth that there is. As our false beliefs crumble beneath us, we need to replace them with truth. So we have encounter, we have belief, and then lastly, we have praxis. As you can tell, being intentional about both of these other ingredients pushes us towards praxis. Turning aside means being intentional about our habits, our practices, our actions, and our lifestyle. First question that I have is, is there anything about the changes you've already made to your work or family life out of necessity in a global pandemic that are just inherently good? Maybe it's more time with your kids or more time outdoors. I'm not sure what it is for you, but those are a couple for me. How will you be intentional about continuing on with those habits when life goes back to normal? And secondly, are there any specific spiritual practices that you need to add into your life right now to cultivate moments of encounter and to fill your mind with truth? Practices like listening prayer, where we're listening for the voice of God. Silence, where we're just sitting still in God's presence. 
scripture study where we're digging into the Bible or praying at regular times throughout the day. I could go on and on. At the end of the broadcast, Pastor Andrew is gonna tell you more about a new resource that we have put up online, which is essentially a library of spiritual practices like the ones I've described. And we believe that these will be helpful to us in this moment and beyond. This resource includes some shared practices that we'd love to encourage all of us to consider adopting during this time. And it also includes a special resource page for families. So again, Andrew will tell you more about that at the end of the broadcast, but we're really excited about this tool. So to close, I wanna point out something that may be incredibly obvious, but right now, May 3rd, 2020, life in the midst of a global pandemic has become normal for us. It's now become our chronos time. It's become that linear time. Social distancing, quarantine, working from home, Zoom meetings, distance learning, kids and parents cooped up at home, financial insecurity, the monotony of all the days blurring together. This has become our life as usual. And there's inertia pushing us forward even within this moment. And yet God will continue to interrupt our life as usual, even our pandemic life. With smaller Kairos moments of opportunity every single day, if we learn to recognize them, and turn aside and explore them in His presence. So I wanna encourage you friends to consider how this moment in history might be a giant God moment in your life, but also to look for the smaller God moments today and tomorrow and the day after that. My prayer for us is that we would be a people who turn aside, who look, who allow God to use even a global pandemic to shape and transform us to better reflect His image. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank You that You are present with us. You are at work in the worst of circumstances and in the best of circumstances. God, we ask for the grace to allow You to use this moment to shape us and change us. God, help us to recognize Your activity. Help us to turn aside Lord, we pray for powerful moments of encounter with you, especially for those of us who don't even know what we believe about you. God, would you help us to encounter you? Lord, would you shape our beliefs to be in line with what is true? And would you help us to walk these things out every day? Lord, that we may be changed, not just for this moment, but in a way that changes our future trajectory. Lord, I pray a blessing over my friends today. Would you fill them with hope and with joy and with a sense of your presence today, tomorrow, and the next day. In Jesus' name, amen.